Welcome to the Dive Table. I'm Jay Gardner, and with me, as always, is Mr. Nick Hogel. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I'm glad all you listeners were sitting in with us. And producer Daniel is here with us as well, which must mean we're recording another episode. So we're really happy out there that you've joined us and have pulled up your chair to join our table and we hope you take something away from the show, even if it's just to laugh with us or laugh at us for the next 45 minutes to an hour. And hey, we're especially uh, want to say thank you to our club members out there. Uh, we recently launched our club. And if you'd like to be part of this growing community, join a club. We've got three clubs out there. One you can, you know, we call the caffeine pusher. You can be a caffeine pusher and, you know, push caffeine our way for I think five bucks a month or something like that. You know I like my coffee. Please bring it in. Yeah, if you want Nick to be a little, you know, more lively at the beginning of the shows, uh, yeah. please join that club. Producer Daniel gets mad if I sip on the mic, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. But he does get mad. He's like, oh, I need to cut that out. Yeah, you can join the Tank Monkey Club. Uh, you know, for 10 bucks a month, you know, buy us a fill of air to keep us diving. <sighs> nice. <laughs> nice. I like your impersonations here. Or if you're a high roller out there and ching. you, know, you want to ching, that's right. You can join the high roller club. Look, you know this show is supported by you, so we appreciate our club members a heck of a lot. And so if you enjoy the show, we ask that you consider joining a club. Really, really thank you out there for listening and joining. A podcast for scuba divers everywhere. Take your seat at the dive table. With your hosts, Nick Hogel and Jay Gardner. All right, Nick. Hey, do you remember that joke we told back on the jokes episode? How do you avoid shark attacks? Stay in Kansas. Stay in Kansas. That's right. <laughs> Don't leave Kansas. <laughs> that's still funny. Well, I think today we might be able to add to that joke, um, you know, add a line, our own line to that, which is how do you avoid shark attacks? Don't leave the lake, <laughs> right? Keep you safe from uh, from shark attacks. It, it does not keep you safe, safe, however, from land shark attacks. So they're they're prevalent anywhere. It doesn't matter. I like land sharks at the bar. <laughs> so I think we've been looking forward to this episode for quite a while because we finally get to talk about a topic that's near and dear to both of our little Texas hearts, which is lake diving. And so today we're going to tackle the topic, what's the truth about lake diving? And if you're anything like us and you're landlocked where you do your local diving, this episode will likely be a love letter to you. You're going to be nodding along, uh, maybe adding your own two cents uh, along with this episode. That would be amazing. And we want to know about it. So make sure you reach out to us. And if you've never had the pleasure of diving in the lake, well, get ready to hear us uh, talk all about it. <laughs> Um, and it's tell you amazing. the truth about at least our experience of lake diving, uh, as I think that this is a, a really, really fun topic. So, Nick, you ready to uh, to jump into the lake? Oh, let's back roll into this. Awesome. All right. Well, let's start with, with some basics, as we always try to do, which which is what are the differences between blue water or the ocean, ocean diving, and lake water? So maybe what are start with some of the basic differences. What are some of those basics? Then maybe what are some of maybe the uncommon differences? And then we can finish out by talking about some of the logistical differences here. Um, I would have to say one of the basic differences is the color. Um, no, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> um, no, that's true. Yeah, yeah it, it is, is the, the color. Basic, yeah. yeah, it is. Uh, it's uh, a little little more on the greenish side. I think GoPro actually put out a, uh, a filter for that. <laughs> are you going to be lake diving? <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if they have, but they should. They should. Um, <clears throat> But uh, kind of a funny story. Um, so this is a very basic difference. But I, I, I was trying to think back because I'm like, is there or isn't there like that? Because it seems to be a weird question. But um, I was out at the lake one day and someone looked at the lake and they're like, is this fresh water or salt water? Or I, I can't even remember what it was, but I, I think they were like, is this salt water? And I looked and it's very, very hard for me to not 
come up with a quick little or you know just some little <laughs> quip like is that you're joking you know yeah you. <laughs> yeah yeah you know just something i'm like um um i've been known to be a smart ass at times but i i stopped and i you know i try not to do that and i was like oh it's it's fresh water um but that that's a pretty pretty main difference fresh water um at lakes uh but you know i, I was because i was thinking about it, i'm like oh well you know you go to the places like the cenotes in mexico it could be fresh on top and then there's that salt water layer on the bottom yeah. yeah and so i was like but still i was like really is that your question right now <laughs> <laughs> but nothing against anybody um but yes that that's a pretty basic difference fresh as opposed to salt well there there is a salty lake in california actually it's uh the sultan sea okay well there's salt um, wait, wait, there wait, salt wait, lake the city no that, salt lake city <laughs> salt lake city is not not a city made out of salt let's let's just make sure let's make sure that's clear was it the salt sea oh i don't remember now man i'm I'm, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's salty. fact check us somebody. It, yeah, go go fact check it. But I remember it. It was supposed to be in California, the next like destination resort, the next Lake Tahoe, and it somehow turned salty, and so mm. it killed all of the marine life off, and so on and so forth. And it's kind of crazy. I I rode motorcycles through there years back ago, and they um, it looks like you know from the 60s and 70s they were going to build this big resort town. And then it just got abandoned because this the water turned, and I so don't know the like whole story. Victor, it's crazy. Or not Victorville, but like Apple Valley. Yeah, it's out in that area. I was area. gonna say because yeah, yeah. that I know that was a supposed to be a big destination for a little bit, but then um, nothing against anybody out there in Apple Valley. I used to live in Big Bear Lake, but man, that high desert is a is a wonder. <laughs> it's a wonder. It's a wonder. Now doesn't now surprise I know what me. You it didn't mean make when it. you tell other people Jay's a wonder. <laughs> yeah, now I get it. Thanks. <laughs> but no, yeah, uh, it doesn't surprise me that it didn't make it. Well, yes, Love, color, yeah, color and fresh water, definitely basic differences. And because it's fresh water, that means there there's a difference to your buoyancy or, or anything's buoyancy in that water. You know, you are more buoyant in salt water than you are in fresh water. So in, you know, you need a little less weight, maybe five to six pounds a kilo or two. I'm trying, uh, Jay, right? Yeah, I'm trying. Yeah. If you're diving in, in lake water than you are in salt water. So that's a pretty basic difference. Uh, another one I had on my list was there's typically not a lot of waves or surge. Yeah. There can be on a windy day, yeah. for example, there can be way or on a very busy boat traffic day with those big wakeboard boats going by or whatever. You can get oh, some, some swell, like, you know, some swells. Um, but it's a big difference too. Uh yeah, no, there's definitely, I would say there's a lot, I mean, I, I would assume it's pretty common, a lot less life you're going to see in a lake. There's not going to be, um, I was going to say there's not going to be much coral down there, but uh, probably no coral. Uh, <laughs> Zero <laughs> coral. Um, but definitely a lot less life, which um, I guess, you, I mean, you could definitely see some different ecosystems down there, but not, you know, it's not going to be as diverse as ocean. Yep. Uh, another basic difference is... It's lakes are typically colder than the ocean. That's not true of all lakes, um, but also the the lake temperatures tend to get colder in the colder seasons than the ocean does. So that's a basic difference. Is if you dive in lakes, you're probably going to be uh, diving in colder water than you would have if you're in the ocean. Now, if you're in the Pacific, you know Northwest, and maybe that's colder just as a normal day than what a lake could be. So it's not universally true, but generally true. Lakes are colder. And then a couple more basics for me. Um, obviously, the bottom of a lake can be mud or, or silt, fine silt, and that's different than sand, than a sandy bottom. Um, that's We, we kind of laugh about you know the term egg beaters or diving by braille when the lake gets really bad. Farmers. Um, or farmers that are <laughs> harvesting the bottom and stirring it up for everybody else. Um, so that silt, the problem with the silt is it's not very heavy, so it's fine. So when it gets kicked up from the bottom, yeah. it's it floats longer than yeah. what a grain of sand is. That a grain of sand? I don't know. A, a speck of Webster, sand. Webster, where are you? Yeah, at where are you? Whatever that is, a um, grain of rice and a grain of sand. I don't know. But anyway, the sand I is like rice. denser, <laughs> so it's gonna it's gonna yeah. sink. It has more you know negative ba you know ballast to it than the silt, which is very fine. So it can very easily. You might hear the term in cave diving, even in the ocean, of silting out. 
the yeah. the cave you can very easily silt out a dive location in a lake because of the silt that's on the yeah. bottom there and with the not much current the silt will hang around longer if you have a little bit of flow it might kind of push it away um, but if it's just very still water then that silt's going to be there forever you just like try to hold a scooter and <laughs> blow it all away like oscillating scooter fan <laughs> Um, all right, my last one on my basics list was um, was altitude. So, depending on where you're diving, um, you know, lakes are obviously not all at sea level, whereas the sea is always at sea, sea level. Le- really? Unless no. I guess you're in New Orleans and yeah, then you're yeah. below sea level. But uh, so, altitude can be a, a huge difference for some lakes. If you're in a high altitude, there's actually special considerations you need to make um, in planning and executing those dives. Um, but other lakes, you know, might be at 300 feet above sea level or hundred feet above sea level, but you're going to, you're going to have some altitude typically, um, when it comes to a lake body. I would assume if you ever do any diving in Colorado, most of that's going to be altitude diving. Oh yeah, definitely. Good. All right. What about some uncommon? So you hit already on, uh, the thermocline, right? Which exists as a temperature difference. What other uncommon ones did you have? Um, some of the structures that you can find in lakes, like I know here in Texas, um, I, I, somebody fact checked me out there, producer Daniel, or somebody at one of our listeners, I believe that there is actually only one natural lake in Texas. So almost all the lakes in Texas are man-made. What's cool about that is there's going to be structures under the water, uh, buildings or, you know, things that were left behind when they flooded it, uh, to, create the reservoir or lake or whatever you want to call it um so you'll see some cool things uh, i know at windy point if you get down to about uh at this point 90 to 100 feet you'll actually see some really tall trees down there which is you know obviously you don't expect to see a 30 foot tree at the bottom of the lake that's a but yeah, yeah yeah you know so it's pretty cool um and then occasionally you'll see some other things that you wouldn't normally see like cars or um i mean boats are pretty common in any body of water to see in the water Um, but it's kind of cool to see those things like a car or a man-made structure within the bottom because it's just something you don't really expect when you get down there so that's another kind of uncommon thing um differences i guess you should see you could see the structures or things that you will see down there yeah and another uncommon one that builds right off of that is you will find scuba parks uh, what they're called right in in lakes and these do exist in the ocean at some level but usually they're not as defined as a scuba park would yeah. be in a lake and they might sink these things on purpose. Um, right. And, and even might put statues. So yeah. there's a statue of a scuba diver yeah. or a statue of a shark or a statue of whatever, um, in the scuba park. So there are parks that are dedicated to scuba diving. And typically these are walled off as what's called a no wake zone in a lake, which means a boat, um, or a no travel zone, which means a boat cannot enter that area. And so that's the, the, the key there. What other uncommon differences do you see? I have a couple more too. Um, let me think about that. What, what, what do you got on the, well, a couple uncommonly known ones. I think, uh, obviously I think you mentioned earlier, rinsing your gear, gear maintenance (laughs) is different. Um, salt water can be very corrosive. Yes, it can. Fresh water can be also be gross like it can it has stuff in it but it's not corrosive yeah. um fresh water in, in a lake i mean you you want to i still rinse my gear yeah that's still my my typical you know mode of of operations um another one i had was environmental navigation so in a in an ocean you know you can see current or which way the shore is you know there's some good cues in the sand like the ripples in the sand or things like that in a lake you're not maybe even diving where you're going to see a bottom or you're diving where those environmental cues are going to be different or you know there is no there's just lots of brown rocks and so there's no change in the because the water's not clear so the sunlight's not getting down so there's not plant life down there so environmental navigation um, can be very different in a lake setting than in an ocean or, or blue water setting and then the last one I had um, in terms of uncommon differences uh, has a lot to do with, you know, what you find under the water, which you mentioned there's cool things to see. There's also interesting things that you might find and gross things you might find. So there's different trash, for example, yeah. in lake diving that people throw over, you know, on, on the boat, having a good time, and they throw their cans over the side. That happens in the ocean too, yeah. I'm sure. But in the lake, we see a lot of that. 
but we also see a lot of souvenirs in yeah. the in the lake. So I actually found a pair of sunglasses that I, you know, were on the bottom. It was just kind of random, <laughs> and I put them on just jokingly and turned around to my team, and I brought them up thinking they're going to be kind of cheapy sunglasses, and um, and turns out they're really nice sunglasses and. They were a perfect fit for my wife, so <laughs> I got a pair of some perfectly great Ray Bans out of this uh, this little dive. So there are other things that you might find, treasure hunting wise. You're not going to find any giant shark teeth or anything like <laughs> or that. Or you might, you know, prehistoric. Um, I, uh, <laughs> uh, but no, I do like the. We have a charter that goes out in um, Lake Travis, and he likes to call it treasure hunting because. Uh, most lakes, I'm assuming, they'll have the big party cove areas. They'll have the big areas where people go and just uh, get drunk and, you know, have a good time. Um, and fortunately for us scuba divers, drunk people drop a lot of stuff in the water. And uh, I found, yes, uh, I haven't paid for a pair of sunglasses in probably about five years. <laughs> um, no lie. Uh, so I'll go out there. I'll find me a new pair of sunglasses. I found phones in good working condition although you can't really do much because most phones are locked these days um and yeah phones there's been gopros jewelry drones jewelry tons and tons of stuff that you could find uh which is really really cool and they in here in texas there's actually um we're talking about lakes so rivers don't really also count we can do a whole different episode about rivers yeah but there's a whole fun thing that we get to go do as divers here when they do the uh do the river floats so there's yeah, a lot of people that in texas float down a river on an inner tube and you basically just swim beneath them yeah <laughs> pick up, <laughs> and all, pick the up stuff. all the stuff that drops yeah I, I mean, uh, it's kind of nice there was one day me and a buddy went out the one of the party coves out here is called devil's cove and uh, we would go out there on typically a monday or tuesday because there's a lot less traffic it gets really packed during the weekend and we went down there and packed I, of boats not pa- divers. yeah <laughs> Packed, yeah, packed full of boats, people hanging out. But um, we went down there, and, and it was we both had good finds. I was a little bit more jealous of his find, though, because I literally went down and found all the alcohol. I found, like, <laughs> bottles of champagne. I found, you know, the, the seltzers. Those are real popular these days. I literally found a ton of alcohol. My buddy pulled up all the big money ticket items, found like a pair of Maui gyms, literally found a hundred dollar bill sitting on the bottom. You know, I'm like, man, that's pretty nice. He just got paid to go die. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, you, you could definitely find some uh, cool stuff. And um, yeah, there, there is quite a bit of trash. But at the same time, I don't know. I feel like I've seen quite a bit of trash in the ocean as well, which is a bummer. But yeah, like you were saying, just different, different, different types, types of, of trash. trash yeah. yeah. Well, and, and there are actually people that build little side businesses on going and retrieving things. So, yeah. you know, they'll advertise, hey, if you're out on the boat this weekend, you dropped your phone in, I'll go get it for you for X amount of dollars, right? Yeah. And, uh, so it's kind of interesting that yeah. that probably only exists in the lake. If you drop something in the middle of an ocean, I don't think that mm. people are going to go like, guess hey, how brave me, the diver is. Yeah, pay me how much money and where I'll go find it somewhere. But yeah, I used reef. to actually, uh, funny story about that, I used to do that quite a bit, but... Um, I got paid to go find an item. I found it in uh, four minutes in nine feet of water. So I was a pretty happy payday for me. I was <laughs> like, yeah, that's not too bad. And you made $4. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're pushing it, man. <laughs> All right. What about some logistical differences between, you know, blue water, the, getting in the blue and getting in the green? Um, so here – Mostly we do a lot of shore diving. You can do boat dives, um, but most of the time we're going to be doing shore diving. And even if you are doing a boat dive, most likely, depending on where we are on the lake, you're going to be somewhat close to shore. You might arrive by boat, but you're going to be going off of the shore. Whereas uh, in the ocean, you might actually, you know, drive a boat out to a coral reef that's a few miles offshore. So it's a little bit different. Um, but I feel like here that that's one logistical difference is you have to mostly plan for a shore dive um, when we're when we go out and dive. Yeah, which which I think leads to another logistical difference to build on that is you've got to figure out how to get your gear to the shore, right? Yes, so it's not yes. always a, a you know in the ocean typically if you're going shore diving, it's a you know flat entry sandy beach walkthrough. It might be a long walk or it yeah. might be might be surgy there might be yeah. a lot of waves and things um coming through 
but uh, but you're not going down, you know, sheer cliffs of rocks and stuff like that. Yeah. So you do have to plan for how you're going to get gear from from the truck or the vehicle parking lot to the shore if you're going to do a, a lake dive. And, and like I said, there are scuba parks that make it somewhat easy to do that, those things, but um, they don't exist in every lake. Yeah, yeah. Another logistical difference for me was exactly that, that, you know, you're not necessarily paying a – a boat fee if you're not diving off the boat and everything's kind of taken care of there but there are different parks and park fees so yes. even if you're not diving out of a scuba park which has a park fee typically you may be diving out of a public park or a county park or a city park and those have different fees associated with them and regulations they're typically not expensive but still you need to know that and usually you got to bring cash right? yeah, like, yeah. so you got to have you know 20 bucks on you. They don't um, like the Apple Pay. Yeah, they don't like the, the <laughs> Apple Pay. So it's, a, it's something to plan for if you're going to lake dive is to figure out where you're going to go in the water and what the park fees and the park regulations yeah. are for that particular park that you're going to get in the water. Um, and then another one, uh, we mentioned it a little bit here uh, a little bit ago. Uh, you have to pr prepare for that thermocline um, because when you're, you know, that three mil wetsuit might be good at 20 feet. It will not be good at 80 feet where that thermocline drops and the temperature is frigid cold. Um, I have actually gotten used to diving with a hood, uh, but I remember when I first started diving, I wasn't a big fan of a hood, but you get below that thermocline, you, you're going to be cold. Um, you know, your hands are cold. You're, you're prepped for that, you know, 80 degree water. You're prepped for that really warm weather. But as soon as you get down that thermocline, you're going to be cold. So you have to prepare for that. Like, oh, okay, what's the depth that we're going to today? What are we doing? What's the plan? Oh, we're going to be, you know, uh, doing some, I haven't done this yet, but we're going to, oh, we're doing, you know, some decompression procedures. We're going to be down there for quite a bit. So let's prepare for that because you don't want to be stuck in 55 degree weather or 55 degree water uh, with a three mil, no gloves and no hood. You'd be yeah. pretty bummed out. Yeah. So if you, I would, if you die, like in Texas here, if you're at a lake site or a, a lake diving um, site, and you see some guy wearing a dry suit. I remember when I was first started, yeah. I was like, what's that guy? It's, it's 107 degrees outside. <laughs> what is he thinking? You know, it's too hot. And you realize, like, pretty quickly that, oh, yeah. he's preparing for the thermal. What's thermal that thing suit. he's putting on his back? Yeah. <laughs> the rebreather. Um, <laughs> a couple other ones I had, uh, obviously, access points. Yeah. So, you know, some lakes, it's wherever you can get to the water, yeah. go for it. Other lakes, they have restrictive access points or it might be off of a boat launch ramp or something like that. And so you have to know before you go, or it's good to know before you go, um, what the the access points to the lake might be. And then the last one that I had uh, that are big differences between blue water and lake water, logistically at least, are, um, are boat types. So yeah. there's not a lot of commercial traffic in a lake, typically. Uh, I mean, most lakes uh, don't have that commercial traffic that's happening. But they're also very different boat types. So, for example, on a lake, probably the most common boat you're going to see is going to be uh, like a wakeboard boat yeah. um, type of boat. Which these these things, if you haven't been on a lake and seen them, nowadays, you know, they're creating huge wakes for oh, wake what's called wake surfing. And they're humongous. And so they throw a huge amount of roller behind them. And you want to know what that is. There's also pontoon boats that are very popular for cruising around and there's you know um different types of maybe like sailboats and things so the boat types are different um, if you see a wakeboard boat and you're about to surface or or you're in a location <laughs> like get out of the way likely there you know i see others and and sometimes there's heavy drinking involved and operating a boat that is that powerful can be quite scary so being aware of those boats and boat yeah. types, what they're used for, I think is a good thing to logistically know. Yeah, I agree because um, luckily where we go, uh, some of the dive parks, there is a no boating policy, no fishing policy. Um, but depending on where you are in the lake, uh, you definitely, I mean, definitely in the ocean, you have to watch out for that too. But um a lot of those boaters out there, a lot of people might not even know that scuba diving is allowed in the lake. So they're not thinking, oh, there could be divers in the water. So they're throwing stuff, they're throwing, you know, whatever out. Hopefully you don't get an anchor on your head or something. But um, and then uh, another thing that I was going to add is uh, since there's no, not a whole lot of current, we were talking about the silt. Uh, you definitely have to be more prepared 
when you're getting closer to the bottom uh, because when we're when we're diving even if you're two to three feet above that silt and you're kicking in that direction it's going to kick up a lot of silt so you have to be much more aware as opposed to the sand we were talking about you can kick sand all day it's going to fall back down uh, but that silt you know you'll uh, you'll get to that zero viz diving by braille really quick yep last uh, logistical difference for me is just uh, you know a lot of the boaters that are out on lakes may not there isn't like a a boat license you have to own to operate a boat right <laughs> there um, should be. in the ocean there should i agree with you but in the ocean yes there's a license you own to be a captain of i, I don't remember the size of the vessel it becomes but in like the lake there's a lot of uh there's a lot of recreational people you walk into you know a boat store you buy a boat and now you you're a boat captain um, and so you need to be aware of their possibly lack of training of even what a diver flag might be um, and make sure that your area, if you're diving somewhere that is not restricted um, from boats, that you're really, really well marking that area. You're really cautious on ascent. And on top of that, that you're also understanding in a lake the buoy marking, uh, what, what different buoys mean uh, because they mark out lakes differently. Um, than they would necessarily in a harbor or somewhere else. And so knowing those things is valuable if you're a scuba diver for your safety. The last thing you want to do is surface out in the middle of a lake somewhere and have a wakeboard boat coming straight on you or have just passed um, or a pontoon boat that's a rental boat. Again, you can rent a boat with an orientation, <laughs> uh, which basically seems, means here's the key and, and here's how you go. Um, by the way, there are no brakes on boats, if you didn't know that. Uh, so that's another fun thing. Oh, Good. For, your, uh, for our international listeners out there, um, when we say buoy, I think a lot of people say boy out there. So, Which is funny because I've always known it as buoy, and then I was hanging out with some people from over overseas, you know, just diving out and they're like oh it's the boy it's the boy and i'm like what are you talking about <laughs> I don't see a boy they were out referring there. to your yeah. baby face but if you think about it it's not buoyancy it's buoyancy <laughs> oh, shit. i'm just bringing wow. bringing some knowledge you, can i have my soapbox <laughs> back now thanks all right it's mine i brought my own <laughs> all right so getting the to the next question so i think those that sums up a pretty good amount of the differences between yeah yeah um, let's talk about specific techniques or skills to be successful in, in a lake or an aquarium or, or in that type of diving. Are there particular techniques needed as a lake diver? Like, should there be a lake certification class? Which, by the way, I started looking it up. It doesn't exist. Well, so, I so there it doesn't exist, but I think open water is open water, right? So the same skills that you would use in the ocean – would apply in the lake, you know, like not coming up too fast or, you know, when we're learning, we're like, oh, okay, we're coming up, put your hand on top of your head. So that way your hand hits something first, but also be weary. Like if there's boats on the surface. So I think it all ties in together. Cause I, I did, I saw, um, we were going over that. Should there be a lake certification? And I was kind of searching too. I'm like, oh, I wonder if there is a lake certification, but, um, wouldn't you agree that open water is open water yeah totally i mean yeah i think there are some maybe more tuned in techniques that you need um or put more more focus on in certain techniques if you're diving in a lake versus you're diving in the ocean um but i but the but the basic skills i think for the most part are exactly all the same yeah and that's why um i'll always tell people in any area that you go in um you know when i go and travel somewhere i don't know all the techniques of that area so that's why i always suggest get some sort of local guide that can tell you these sort of things um like one one and and this is actually a huge problem all over the united states um, in Lake Travis, we have zebra mussels. Someone coming from an area that doesn't have zebra mussels, they might not know what that is. And it's like, oh, those things will cut you if you rub your hand against it or brush your arm against it or whatnot. Whereas if you have that local guide saying, hey, watch out for those things or just wear some sort of gloves. Yeah, you know? I always so, wear gloves. In yeah, America. and that's so... So I wouldn't necessarily say a, a certification, but um, get like a local orient, local guide or somebody familiar with that area. And with the skills that you 
have from your open water certification, definitely a lot of the basics will apply in the lake. Yeah, and I think the specific techniques for me, my list at least, that that I think you you should be aware of if you're going to do some lake diving um, are, are these. So number one, it is more likely in a lake diving environment than an ocean environment. And I'm saying this very explicitly because this can also be true in the ocean, but it's more likely that your visibility will be reduced. In yes. A lake, right? Yes. So if that's true, one thing that, that one skill or technique that you want to think about dialing in and lake diving is navigation skills. Yeah. And that's more around compass navigation, actually understanding how to use your underwater compass and bearings and, and using, you know, kicks as a, or time as a, as a measurement of distance. Um, and so I think that becomes important or maybe a little more important potentially in lake diving than it could in, uh, yes. in ocean. I agree. Um, the second one I had was team positioning. So if there's reduced visibility, this is true in the ocean as well, but it's more likely to happen in a lake that you want to think about your team positioning um, and team communication a little bit more because, uh, you know, I remember in, you know, get in the ocean, you can see your teammate for, you know, it's <laughs> 80 feet of visibility, you know, no big deal. But in the lake, you might have five foot of visibility. So if your teammate gets five feet away from you, you might lose sight of them. And that, that can, you know, be a buddy separation where you're separated by six feet, yeah. right, of water. And so that's something to be aware of. Um, and that also leads me to, again, if visibility is re reduced, whether you're in the ocean or the lake, but more likely in the lake, is usage of a light. So um, a light can be a great tool for you, not just for you to see um, when low vis is there, but also for others to see you. And so learning your light communication skills, um, they're not hard. Uh, the basic light communication skills, making sure that your light's functional, um, that you're using one, so on and so forth, um, that you have one on a dive, even if you're planning on going to 60 feet in the lake, or if you hit the bottom, even at 40 feet or 30 feet and it gets silted out, uh, it's going to be really hard to see. And so you might want a light at that point. So that seems yeah. like a, uh, some skills you would want to focus on around lake diving. Yeah. Do you have any extra ones or I have a few more? Um, no, I like the, uh, I like definitely, I like the light aspect. Uh, I always say, especially in a lake, uh, we like to joke around in in when I'm conducting courses. I'm like, oh, if you know, you do a deep enough dive in Lake Travis, it's gonna be a night dive. <laughs> so exactly. you need that light. Um, you do have to be careful though, because um, when you're kicking up a lot of silt, having a light is almost it, it, it's not gonna be any. It's like head beams. Are yeah, high, and really fog. High and fog. Yeah. So it's not gonna uh, it's not gonna matter if you have that light or not. Um, but also some of the other techniques. Um, I think you're going to have to incorporate different finning techniques uh, because, you know, you, you uh, I feel like a finning technique that everybody should utilize is the frog kick. You might not necessarily need it in the ocean. Um, you'll see a lot of people gravitating towards it, but definitely when you're close to the bottom, you know, we're talking about that low vis. I always tell students, always have some sort of natural reference, be able to see the bottom. Uh, sometimes that sucks because you're literally six inches from the bottom because that's how that's how far you can see. Um, so you need to be able to have really good finning technique to be able to not kick up silt to make the, the diving even worse or the visibility even worse. And then the other um, issue is the, the length of distance between you and your buddy. One thing I always tell students, even on clean, clean, like better visibility days, um, I'll say be no further than fist bumps distance from your buddy. Be always be able to stick your hand out and fist bump because even that might be too far. Um, but being able to kind of see your buddy and I've even told open water students like, Hey, hold hands with your buddy. You know, if you need to, just so you can stay together. Um, obviously at that point, you know, I, I don't think you should be diving out there, but sometimes we want to go out there. We need to get out there and we're just going to make the best of it. Um, but that'll, that kind of goes into another, um, another section I like to talk about is if you can handle yourself in low vis, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but yeah, there's definitely going to be different techniques. And then, um, I, you might have to, uh, really brush up or get familiar with altitude diving. That could be a different technique just because of the fact that 
we just said it before, you know, if you're diving in Colorado, you're going to be above altitude. It's you have to take different considerations into that. Um, and if you're not familiar with it, go and brush up on the Internet or even better, go take a course on altitude diving, um, because then you can really sit down and talk to somebody. Um, even if it's just an e-learning course, you'll get a lot out of it because there are different considerations because we all learn that you don't want to jump on a plane directly after diving. And so there's different things that you have to think about going into that lake. Yeah. One other specific technique, and, and I would echo both of those. I mean, buoyancy, stay off the bottom, right? And so learn a non-silting kick. It could be a frog kick. That's the most common. It could be a modified flutter kick, but the flutter kick or scissor kick um, that, that is commonly trained in a lot of the, the bigger agencies is one of the worst ones you can use yeah. in a lake because you're going to silt yourself out. And unfortunately, um, you know, a frog kick takes a little bit more effort to learn initially, but it's not only is it non-silting, it's so much more efficient and yeah. so much more, um, you know, it gets get better propulsion in the water. And so definitely learn a non-silting kick. I would add on top of the two you did there um, is – you know, it's more likely in a lake, possibly. Again, it depends on the ocean side and lake side, um, that there is a danger of an entanglement. And so I think making sure that you have your knife um, on you, uh, again, not strapped to your your ankle as a buoy knife, but understanding what a, what your procedure is for yeah. entanglements. Because you're talking some fishing line. You could be talking about buoy line. You can also talk about what you would never see in an ocean, trees and getting yeah. entangled on those trees and the things that get get stuck there. Um, and so I think being prepared with what you do in an entanglement situation and what the protocol is for you, um, that's a good thing to brush up on yeah. before you jump in the lake. No, and I, I uh, highly agree. I feel that every diver should have some sort of cutting device on them, even two. Um, so in case one hand can't reach it, you can reach it with your other hand. So generally, we always like to say one on the lower part of the body, one on the upper part of the body. But basically, you can just reach it from any hand. Um, and, yeah, there will be a lot of line out there. I, I have not run into it, luckily. Um, but that might even be just uh, we were talking about the people that aren't aware divers are under the water. Someone's just there fishing and, you know, you don't want to get caught in a hook and then, you know, have it could lead into a very dangerous situation as opposed to just pulling your knife out and cutting the line. Um, I have seen a lot of fishing nets in the ocean, but, yeah, definitely there's going to be a little bit more entanglement um, hazards in a lake, uh, especially a lot of anchors will get uh, – people can't pull them up so they just cut the line and drop them so there might just be ropes floating around it's, it could be a dangerous situation for sure i saw this picture the other day of a buddy who who goes and uh retrieves lost anchors and yeah. then basically resells them i mean he had a truck bed full oh, of yeah. anchors it was crazy no. right and yeah i've uh there's areas so here here in lake travis uh the type of docks that we have we have floating docks so the docks have to be able to adjust with the lake level we were talking about. So Lake Travis is essentially a reservoir for Lake Austin, you know, just basically a river that they dammed up as they went along. And um, so a lot of these anchors, they're literally big three-quarter inch, half-inch cables that go through the dock and go to these one-ton anchors uh, in the middle of the – or not the middle of the lake, but, you know, however deep they are to, to facilitate – the docks going up and down with the different lake levels and even in the party cove that we were talking about there's these basically th you know three quarter inch half inch cable running down you get an anchor caught on that you're not pulling that up you're cutting the line you're dropping that anchor and i've literally seen we like to call them nests where there's probably 15 to 20 anchors where once you get <laughs> caught, there's nothing you can do and divers will have a field day because they'll go down there and they'll just cut the line. Could be a very dangerous situation. So obviously don't just jump, you know, open water certification. I'm going to go retrieve these anchors. Fingers, yeah. um, but don't do that. No, I've literally seen people, they come to these nests and they pull up 15 to 20 anchors. And it's insane because um some anchors yeah you can get them you know five ten fifteen dollars but there's thousand dollar anchors out there which is really insane um and they're basically like nice stainless steel plow anchors that people put in front of their yachts but um yeah it's it's kind of crazy the stuff that you'll find down there well good any other specific technique skills that you think uh we should cover in lake diving uh no 
No, you're good. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into the meat and potatoes of this because, yes, there are differences between blue water and lake water. Yes, there are some maybe specific techniques and things, but this is the meat and potatoes of this because we hear this all the time um, and I wanted to talk about this. So is it true, this is the question, is it true the best divers come from mud? And what mud means is murky diving, right? From lake diving. That the, the, the phrase that keeps getting thrown around that everyone says is, if you can dive here, if you train here, you could dive anywhere in the world. You're good anywhere. And that's maybe something that we tell ourselves because that's what we have. But I want to get to the bottom of, is it true or is it just something that we tell ourselves? So I, I have a little bit of a different play on words um, because I, I think it depends. Um, so the, the way that I put it is if you can dive here in Lake Travis and you can have fun in low visibility, I believe that you will go anywhere in the world ocean diving and you will have that much of a better time because the visibility is going to be better. There's no way around it. Like um, I have literally been out there uh, where people are like, oh man, in the ocean, people are like, oh man, the visibility is not that great today. I get out there. I'm like, what in the hell are you talking about? I can see 50 feet. I can see, <laughs> exactly. I can see like, what are you talking about? The visibility is bad. Um, and it just makes me appreciate that more. Whereas, yeah, I'm sure if I was diving the ocean a lot and you go from a hundred, a uh, hundred foot visibility to the next day, it's 50 foot visibility. You're going to, you'd be like, oh man, the visibility is not that great today. But then I think back in my head, okay, what if I was sitting at Windy Point Lake Travis right now? This would be absolutely amazing. Um, so I think that you can enjoy it i don't think it necessarily makes you a uh a stronger diver um but i definitely think you'll enjoy it more elsewhere that you go because there's there's differences and i'll add to that here in a second but go ahead no, that's that's a good perspective like if if you can have fun here yes you can have fun yeah. anywhere like if you're if you're not mentally you know blocked yeah if you still like diving after diving in five foot of murky visibility <laughs> Uh, and green water and yeah. seeing brown rocks and brown fish and brown trees, then you're probably likely to continue diving and having fun anywhere in the world. I think that's a good perspective. Yeah. And uh, sorry, not to cut you no, off, but I always will uh, add to that. To I'll tell students, I tell them, do your course here so that way when you get to your vacation, you don't have to spend three, four, five days doing your course out there. And make your judgment on scuba diving when you get to that blue water site and you see your first turtle or your first octopus or whatever you see that makes it that much more amazing. Uh, because, yeah, if you can if you can enjoy it here, when you get on your trip, you're going to be like, holy cow, this is awesome. And and that's that's why I always say that. Um, yeah, if you can if you can have fun here, then you're in for a world of excitement. <laughs> it's kind of like if you if you go to Chili's and yeah. you order the spaghetti, and you're like, "Oh, I love spaghetti! It's so amazing!" You go, "Wait till you get to Italy." Yeah, like, just wait a minute. <laughs> Although I'm not gonna lie, sometimes I like that cheaper food. Sometimes oh, I'm man. like, "Man, you know, like uh, to just to add, to it, I know this is kind of completely off subject, but um, so I I one of my favorite breakfast foods, corned beef hash." I would out love of the can. out of the can, oh! out of the can. No lie. I would take it out of the can and I, I will go places. And if they make it fresh, I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. But just give me that out of the can corned beef hash. I'll be happy all day long. Like, so yeah, maybe that's why I love diving Lake Travis so much. So, so we'll <laughs> add that to your obituary. Nick Hogel, <laughs> professional tea bagger. It's like a, it's like a, and uh, he ate from the can. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, it's like a, uh, it's, I remember I'm like, man, it looks like dog food, but I love it so much. No, I'm, I love, and so I'm just weird like that. Sometimes I want the cheaper, non good stuff as opposed to the fresh, better stuff, but yeah, you just except cover it in water. Velveeta cheese or cheese not Velveeta list. cheese, maybe some, maybe some cheese, but put a, put a over easy egg on top of that. And I'm, oh, I'm happy, happy man. Camper. I'm a happy camper. All right. Admittedly, by the way, I, if professional teabagger, if you haven't, that's a joke referring back to our, our dive slang episode. So uh, go listen to that if you haven't yet listened to it. But I, I'll admit, I'm a huge sucker for spam musubi. I love. That's spam what I mean. Musubi. Everyone's got that that thing, you know. It's like some things. Um, we here in America, we like our food salty and bland. Oh so man! Like... But spam. If you don't know what spam musubi is, it's a slice of spam on basically as a sushi roll, but on a huge 
thing of sushi with the sweet sauce on top of it and then it's it's got the nori which is the seaweed wrap huh. and you eat it and it's a hawaiian treat but it's like an obsession of mine That's i love what, it yeah and and i said america but we here in the united states because america is very big <laughs> <laughs> we here in texas yeah, have it. yeah. make it um, even bigger but no i do yeah um sometimes i just want that that lower end stuff and that's okay there's yeah, nothing, wrong, nothing with wrong with the chili spaghetti yeah. yes there is um okay so for me when i think about that question is it true the the best divers come from mine. Uh, I could see your point. I think if you have fun here, you can have fun anywhere. I think a lot of people say the same thing about like cold water. If you can, you can make it in cold water and train in cold water, you'll be fine. Or if you could train in my quarry, you'll be, or my conditions, you'll be fine. I think, you know, some of the things, at least coming from my own experience of it, that yes, if you can get good in low visibility at some of the techniques we were talking about, team positioning, navigation, um, possible light skills, your buoyancy control, at least staying off the bottom is I think way more important in a silty bottom than, po I mean, it's always important, but it's it has hu hu much bigger impacts in the lake than it does necessarily on a sandy bottom. So those skill sets that you might need to dial in a lot more in a lake can make you a better yes. diver. Yes. But I wouldn't say inherently that it's universally true because if you're diving in a lake, there are things that you're not dealing with that then you're going to deal with in the ocean. So I remember the first time that I had a shore entry dive in heavy surge. I was just like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, it does. Yeah. Um, what, do I, what do I do to deal with surge? And I literally... We went through our first dive. I came back up. I talked to a guy. Got your drift was, diving who card. Was, uh, <laughs> yeah, who was very used to diving in heavy shore surge and said, well, what's the strategy here? How do we do it? Learned from what he does and was able to execute that strategy and enjoyed my second dive a heck of a lot more than I enjoyed my first dive. So there's surge. There's current. So I feel pretty confident in my navigation skills. I remember we got on a, on a boat out in um, uh, the ocean and you know i followed my compass heading out followed a, a out and back line uh was spot on my compass heading because i was you know diving the one in my team and felt like oh I'm, i've got us right back to the boat this would be great we popped up and we're 20 30 feet off the boat well why because there's current and so how do you deal with that well the answer is a scooter um, there's no, no way to account for how much current has pushed you how far out but that's something that in a lake you're not going to gain that skill of dealing with current at a very often time or in dealing with surge or potentially in your lake it might not get as cold as oh, another place that cold divers are diving so i don't think it's universally true that if you are a great lake diver then you'll be a great diver period anywhere else in the world i think it's true that if you're a great get great at lake diving then the skills associated with which are which are pretty you know, important skills, buoyancy, navigation, team positioning, communication, you'll have those skills a lot more dialed in than necessarily a diver who has dealt only with hundred foot viz and yeah. you know, 90 degree water, or 80 degree water, their whole diving career. And so that's actually one thing I will always mention in my open water course. Um, when I'm teaching here in Lake Travis is yeah, the I feel that if you're going to learn navigation, this is the place to learn it because you are actually going to have to use your compass. I'll get you 15 feet away from that platform that's in the water. You will not be able to find your way back unless you know how to use your compass. Um, so you're going to learn things like that a lot more. Um, you do. I don't want to necessarily say you have to be better with buoyancy because you can get really good in the ocean too, but it does play a huge factor into okay what's your finning technique because if your buoyancy is not good and you're plowing through the bottom you just ruin the visibility really really bad for everybody by for the way for everybody not yeah. just for yourself um, for everybody and that's why i love in my open water classes i usually take them in one direction say at 30 feet i'll turn around and come back at that exact 30 feet and i'll be like hey uh you noticed how the visibility was a lot worse on the way back why do you think that is um just to kind of get them more aware of it um because the shark was chasing yeah, us. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, but 
Uh, we and and I I've heard people even say this too because it's all about getting out of your element. But there's there's some people like oh you know you take a person that dives a cave every day and you bring them out in the ocean they're gonna look like a hot mess you know. Um, and so I I felt that going into it. I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. Um, but I I've done two dive master courses. I did one here in Austin in Lake Travis. And I learned how to become a dive master in Lake Travis. And I knew going out because I went and I traveled a little bit and I was like, man, I'm really comfortable in a lake, but the ocean is a whole different ballpark. So I actually went and completed another dive master course out in the ocean just to get better at the skills because there is going to be a lot of differences dealing with currents, dealing, you know, just with the, the unknown of the ocean. Um, you know, you're more on a boat like here when I was doing my dive master course, almost every time we were going out to do skills, it was all shore based. We're going from the shore. We're going from the shore. Whereas when I did it out in Indonesia, it was all OK. We're going out and doing skills on a boat more away from shore. Um, and so it, it, I felt like I was able to uh, get better at skills on both ends of the spectrum because I've seen lake divers. Um, it, you just mentioned it. Yeah, you have someone that's only dove in a lake and then they get out to the ocean. And you're like, what is going on here? I remember the first time I got caught in a current. I'm like, dude, what is going on here? This is insane. You're really out of control. It could be very dangerous very quickly. But to be able to handle yourself in that situation is is huge. Um, there was actually and, and this is one of the craziest dives I've ever been on out in Indonesia. Um, we call it, it's like a washing machine. So most of the time when you exhale your bubbles, they go up. I've literally seen where I exhale and my bubbles go down. It's insane. And, you know, imagine seeing that for the first time and you're like, okay, what is going on here? I mean, like imagine the vertigo you can get. Like, <laughs> um, but so there is, there is different strengths and I guess weaknesses kind of jumping forward a little bit there. But, um, but yeah, I definitely think that, uh, in order to be a stronger diver is to get out there and know or get used to the different situations. But I think if you can have a good time here, it can make your time better elsewhere. But you know, if the visibility is good, but there's a huge current, you're not going to have a great time or you will, you will I have another funny current, uh, story. Current first, events. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, my, so, um, I remember the first, so when you go out to, uh, places in Indonesia, there's places where the currents are very strong. They tell you places like Komodo, certain places in Indonesia. And um, I remember when I was going out to this marine conservation project, one of the things they told you to bring with you is a reef hook. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, okay, we're not supposed to touch the reef. Now I'm supposed to hook into it. <laughs> like, <laughs> what is going on? And um, obviously you learn there's certain places where you can hook in, um, but the current will get so strong that literally you have to hook in. Tuck and high, Yeah, right? and like you, you figure out how to do that. And I remember the first time I got caught in a strong current, I was out there and it reminded me of the movie Point Break because – all the other people, like all the, the not the volunteers, but the actual employees of the place, they all hooked in and they're just like letting themselves go like, wow, this is awesome. You know, just letting, I mean, the current gets so strong, it'll purge your regulator. So you have to kind of look away or just do this crazy stuff. And they, they were just having the time of their life. And I'm just crouched down behind this rock, like, like scared little cat. Reeves. Yeah. I was like, what is going on? I swear I like had that image in my head. And that was the first time I dealt with it. But like, as I got more used to it, I was like, I can see this is like the appeal. Like, this is awesome because you're feeling a force, you know, but no, I've literally been in currents that strong where if you're not careful, it's purging your regulator and it, it's insane. Um, but it's cool, but not the first time you deal with it. I was like, like literally a scared little puppy. Like, what is going on? <laughs> Save me. <laughs> like, all right. Well, good. Well, let's wrap up with, with this last question here, um, which is this, why do you love lake diving? Is it, is it, do you love it? I guess. And then, uh, if you do, why I do, I mean, for me, it's, it's home court, it's home territory. This is where I have most of my dives. Um, and I like, uh, one thing that somebody said to me at one point, 
they're like, oh, I love to go and travel to these blue water places, but for some reason I get the itch to dry or to dive back in Lake Travis, just murky water. And um, I, I think it's just at this point, it's like a nostalgic type thing. Like, oh, this is where I dive all the time. You know, we joke around and like, oh, okay, um, I've passed this rock 1500 times. You know what I, you know? <laughs> so it's like, you go yeah, which, yeah, exactly. So it, it just becomes a very fun thing um, to get out there and just have a good time. But I, I do, I think just any time that I can get under the water, I really enjoy it. And I'm going to try to make the best time out of it. Um, and, and you know, it's, it's what we got in our backyard. You know, uh, there's days where I'm like, man, this sucks. But then there's other days I'm like, Hey, this is, this is awesome. It's what we got. Yeah. So for me, I, I love lake diving. Um, I also, it's not an exclusive relationship. So <laughs> I love, I love, uh, diving in, uh, cenotes and I love diving in blue ocean and I love diving in brackish water. But I think the thing that I love about lake diving for me is that it's a challenge and the the challenges are different than possibly diving in current or in surge or something like that um, but I like the challenge of it I like the challenge of low vis I like the challenge that that presents to a team I like the challenge it presents to me and I think that lake diving can be very challenging and every day you get in you're not quite sure what the visibility is going to be 20 feet 10 feet two feet and even depending on how deep you go, you get into areas that are pea soup. So you could have great, you know, visibility for half the dive and then you get to a certain depth and now you're through a bunch of pea soup and you don't know why. Um, by the way, the reason isn't typically an algae bloom, but uh, that's a whole different podcast. Uh, but yeah, I love it. I think it's a lot of fun and I love the challenge of diving. I also love the fact that it makes me appreciate when I get into an open ocean, you know, hundred foot viz dive, and it makes me appreciate that dive even more than I think I would have, have I not, you know, been diving, you know, for the majority of my local diving, doing it in the lake. So I love lake diving and, and there's lots of reasons, but those are my main ones. I love lake diving too. Good. So sorry, Lake Travis, if I was dogging on you there for a minute. Oh, poor Lake Travis, what'd, they, what, what'd she ever do to you? A lot. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. She gave you sunglasses and cell phones and anchors and money for a nine-foot dive. Uh, there was uh, there was a few years back I was having people be like, man, are you, are you still diving out there? Because I don't know if you remember a few years back, but there was people that were getting like some weird infection because it was like freshwater inland. And it happened in Texas. Do you remember that at all? Yeah. And I was just like, man, do I want to dive out here? (laughs) But yeah, it can, uh, I've definitely gotten some ear infections, but that, that happens just if you're diving a lot in general. So yeah, exactly. Ear beer, ear beer. Well, good. Well, today we focus on the topic. What's the truth about lake diving? And hopefully we've told some truths, um, not half truths, but truths about it. All lies, all lies. And hey, if you ever want to come and dive in a lake, Nick and I are right here in beautiful Austin, Texas. We'd love to go diving with you. But we talked about the differences between lake diving and ocean diving and what those logistical, maybe common, more uncommon differences might be. We talked about are there specific techniques and skills that you want to dial in or have that are different between ocean diving and lake diving? And then finally, we talked about whether it is true. I think we finally got to the bottom of the myth. You know, is it true that the best divers come from mud? And I would say, I would stand by that statement if you said, um, if you can have fun here, you can really have fun anywhere. If you can fall in love with diving here, you can fall in love with diving anywhere. I don't know if you know if you're a great lake diver that just means you're a great diver i I don't think that maybe that part of it's true but we want to hear from you i want to hear your story are you a lake diver what techniques do you think matter for lake diving Uh, what has been your experience with training in a lake or in you know becoming a diver through a lake uh, diving environment so reach out to us you can connect with us at thedivetable.com Uh, And there's lots of things that you can do that. Obviously, send us a message, say howdy, um, and let us know what you think about lake diving. You can also subscribe to our mailing list and get the latest news directly from us. You can leave a rating of the show. And we love getting those ratings in, seeing Nick only likes the five-star ratings. So (laughs) if you want to be nice to Nick, make sure that you give a five-star. But you can leave us a rating of the show. You can also leave us a voicemail. And so if you pop that voicemail in, that would be amazing. 
I just like to throw out there just because you've heard me say it before. We are the Lone Star State. Doesn't mean you need to give us a one-star review. That's Throwing right. it out there. Like, right. Yeah, give us five. <laughs> yeah. for, give to, us to six. Protect. Go to 11. Nick's ego. <laughs> and, and the final thing that you can do on our website is join one of our clubs. And so we would love to have you as a club member. We really love our club members. There's a lot of exclusive content and perks, T-shirts, all kinds of cool things that you get um, as being a supporter of the show. Uh, and also get to help shape the direction of the show, what Nick and I talk about next and so on and so forth. So thank you so much for being with us. Um, and we hope to see you on the next episode of The Dive Table. Be good. The Dive Table is a production of Fish Dive Surf Incorporated and a member of the Fish Dive Surf Podcast Network. You can find out more at www.fishdivesurf.com.